You are locked on Packers. I feel like we can run the table. We really do. Your daily Green Bay Packers podcast. Rodgers gets out. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Floats it. Your team. Oh, every day. Touchdown. You're locked on Packers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm Peter Bukowski and I cover the Packers for SB Nation and Packer Report. I cover the NFL around the internet and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. Like us on Facebook, subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet and the show for fans who know what happened. They want to know why and how. Today on the show, we are going to talk a little bit more about Kevin King and clean up uh, his contract situation because it has repercussions on what the Packers can and will do moving forward. I want to talk a little bit of draft, and I want to talk a little bit running back before we get to what we're going to be doing next week. So before we even saw the numbers, right, I said that the contract would almost certainly be some super low number in base salary and would be heavily incentivized. And I was I was pretty close. Um, instead of heavily incentivizing the contract, and there are some incentives in the deal, the Packers gave Kevin King a one-year, five-year deal <laughs> because there are four void years in this contract. So... It's a million dollar base salary for this year. It's 3.75 million in signing bonus. And there's some additional incentives. So when we saw one for six, I told you don't believe that number. This is why. Because that number is totally bogus. In fact, Kevin King for the Packers in 2021 will cost on the cap fewer than $2 million. Fewer than $2 million. So in terms of real costs on a one-year deal, this is why you know I, I, I even got in some arguments on Twitter about this with, with uh, you know other Packers people. The original reporting was one for six, and that's what everyone is going to remember. But the reality is in year one, which really is the only year that matters in a one-year deal, the Packers are footing a bill on the cap under $2 million. Now, of course, that guaranteed money, the signing bonus money Kevin King gets. That's why he signed this deal. Because for him, it's really a one-year $4.75 million deal. He gets $50,000 for a workout bonus, $200,000 in per-game bonuses. And so, you know, does he is he guaranteed to get all of that money? No, probably um, gets most of it. And he, he gets another uh, million dollars in playoff bonuses and playtime stuff. It's not one year six. And that is even more reason to believe that this move is more about certainty. The Packers know what Kevin King brings, and they know that even though it's not a very good player, or at least hasn't been a very good player. And that's unlikely to change, right? I mean, he's been in the league long enough. 
He's been in the league four seasons, hasn't been able to stay healthy in any of those seasons. And really only in one year was he an impact player. That was 2019 when he had he led the league in, or led the team, certainly did not lead the league in interceptions, led the team in interceptions and did make some timely turnovers. I mean, we can't discount, you know, the interception in the Cowboys game was huge. The inter- interception in the Vikings game was enormous in the end zone, in fact. So those are big plays. Those count. And, and they help the Packers win football games. I it just it's not enough money for me to go. All right, well, if they want to sign Casey Hayward and Casey Hayward wants to come to Green Bay, they're just out. No, this is this is a, a vet minimum deal basically. It is a, a, a nothing contract in terms of the 2021 year cost. They're going to incur the the rest of the money. So when you have those void years, you can spread that $3.75 million over those four years. But that only works to help really your first year cap or it it works to help the cap before those void years hit. So like Dak Prescott signs a multi-year deal with void years. So for the years on the contract before the void, they get to they get to spread all of the, the money out on the cap, the signing bonus money. And then once the void years hit, then that money accelerates and the dead cap costs, the signing bonus that you had been spreading out, accelerates to your cap. So Green Bay is going to take a, a, a piece of that guaranteed money and it's going to go on the cap this year. And then next year when Kevin King gets cut and he's getting cut, then you accelerate all of that money and they're going to have to eat something like $3 million in dead cap for Kevin King, which means he's not going to be on the roster and you got to pay him that money anyway. This is an all-in move. The void years in the Billy Turner contracts and the Adrian Amos contracts and the and the Mason Crosby contracts, these are all-in moves. The Packers have made it clear they want to win in 2021. If they didn't, they would not be redoing these deals. They would have accelerated all the Rodgers money and that would have been that. And they, they would have maintained their flexibility with all these other players. Instead, they did it with everyone else to try and make this work so that they could go out and still add talent. The Packers are not done adding to this football team. I don't know how many times I need to say it. They're not done. There is a restructure that is going to happen. They're going to get a Devontae Adams extension. They have to move real money to sign their draft class. They have to move real money to have any sort of coffer with cash in it for the regular season when when they they like to and need to be able to sign guys because guys are going to get hurt they're going to go on injured reserve and you're going to have to fill those roster spots guess what you got to have money to do that the only real way to clear enough space to have any kind of cushion is to rework Aaron Rodgers deal 
And, you know, Mike Silver is out there again yesterday acting as Aaron Rodgers mouthpiece on this and saying, look, the Packers want to do it. But do they want to do it in in a way that is, you know, disadvantageous to them? It really it, it is to the point now where I'm wondering if what Aaron Rodgers really wants is for the Packers to commit to him in a way that is deleterious to their future cap situations, that that the more cumbersome and burdensome his contract is for them, the better he will feel about it, the, the more safety he will feel because it means that they can't move on. And Mike Silver said, we all agree Aaron Rodgers deserves uh, 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 that he's underpaid. I mean, do we all agree on that? I don't I don't know about that. He's one of the highest paid players. When he signed his contract, he was the highest paid player in NFL history. That was two years ago. This is not how this works. More to the point, Green Bay is still trying to get this worked out. And they have to figure something out with Rodgers' money. Now, are they, are they going to make a splash? Is it going to be Richard Sherman? No, probably not. But are there still guys out there who could really help this team? I mean, could they sign Quentin Dunbar? That's the name I keep going back to. 2019, top five coverage grade by PFF. Played for Joe Barry in Washington. Zone corner. Still unsigned. Can't imagine he's going to be very expensive. You could add him and he competes with Kevin King and probably beats out Kevin King. And guess what? Who cares because you're paying King nothing this season. And, you know, Zach Cruz made the point on Twitter, why would a veteran corner want to come to this team when they brought their whole secondary back? Well, first of all, doesn't have to be Shannon Sullivan in the slot. Really doesn't. Um, They can move on from him if they want, if they get the right guys in the draft and if they find the right boundary corner. Also, now that we've seen the Kevin King money, we know that that is not a, yes, you're for sure the starter contract. They could still give the, yes, you're the starter contract contract to someone else they can still do that and because we know they have to move money because they still have Dean Lowry's contract because they still have Devontae Adams extension that they could work out because they could still work out some sort of Rogers deal these moves are still on the table and we can't act like because we're cynical about this that those moves aren't going to happen Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Bet Online. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. The NBA, college basketball, NHL, it's all ready for you. And look, the NFL is going to be back before you know it. You're going to be able to do prop bets on the NFL draft. It's all there at Bet Online with everything you can think of to gamble on. It is all there at Bet Online. Go to their website now. Sign up for free and get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit just because you're a Locked On Packers listener. Use the promo code Locked On, and when you put money in, they will match that deposit up to 50%. Promo code Locked On for free money. I cannot emphasize this enough. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. So I got a question um, from friend of the show, Jacob Westendorf. Um, from Game On Wisconsin and Packer Report, and he's just a friend of mine, in addition to being a friend of the pod. He posed an interesting question on Twitter, and that was, 
who is the player you would do the Marcus Davenport deal for? Now, the caveats, of course, are that the Saints were stupid to do the Marcus Davenport deal. They paid the quarterback premium and drafted an edge rusher. And an edge rusher who didn't change their life. And I loved Marcus Davenport coming out of college, but he was a raw prospect. I thought the upside, you know, I thought he could be what Jadavion Clowney was supposed to be. I, I loved the upside, the physical tools and everything that he brought to bear. He has not become an elite player. He's a he's a fine, good player. Not a player you give up a first round pick for. That is the danger in these deals. And it's easy in retrospect to say the Packers should have given up, you know, a day two pick to go up and, and get Justin Jefferson. That was something that we talked about on Twitter. That was something we talked about on this show. And, you know, my listeners and people on Twitter were about split 50-50 on whether or not that was a deal worth doing before the draft. So who are the guys that you would do that, who you would move heaven and earth to acquire for the Green Bay Packers. Well, first of all, it has to be a priority position player because they're the only ones who can impact the game enough to justify such a move. Quarterbacks out, regardless of of whatever joke you want to make. (laughs) Quarterbacks out. There is not a pass rusher worth moving up for. So that leaves the next three positions, cornerback, receiver, and offensive tackle. I don't view offensive tackle as the missing piece to a Packers team. That is that is the situation where you give up a future first. The Saints felt like they were getting their missing piece player, that they were getting a guy who could be a Pro Bowl pass rusher. And so you give up the first round pick to get that guy. I don't see offensive tackle being that position for Green Bay, so that's out. That leaves receiver and corner. I I am a little, frankly, underwhelmed by this receiver class. Kyle Pitts is going to go in the top 10. He's freaking awesome. I, call him a receiver. Call him a tight end. I don't care what you call him. Just call him from the end zone because that's where he's about to be. Right? He's an incredible football player. And whether, whether you want to make him, you know, the designation doesn't matter. He's a top 10, top 12 type talent in this draft. I think you could justify moving up for him. The reality is you're probably just not going to be able to because there is legit like top five, top eight type buzz. And to go from 29 that high, you need to give up more than a first. You need to give up like a first, a second and stuff to get up that high. And I just don't think that that's something that that Green Bay is going to be comfortable doing. And and frankly, I don't think it's something that is smart to do. You move up for Patrick Mahomes like the Chiefs did. You move up for Deshaun Watson like Houston did. That was obviously before all of the ugliness around Deshaun Watson right now. So I don't see beside that. I mean, Jamar Chase might do it for you. Devontae Smith might do it for you. Those are not guys I'm moving up to get. I'm not even sure those guys are better than Justin Jefferson. Devontae Smith is incredible. I love Devontae Smith. But he's also small. And you're banking on him being an outlier. I'm not if I'm the Packers trading up for an outlier. So that leaves corner. Okay? So then what are you doing? 
I think J.C. Horn is the best corner in this class. You heard Eric Crocker earlier this week agree with me. The thing about that is he's a press man corner. Packers with Joe Barry really not trying to play a bunch of press man. So is he the best fit for your football team? And or is he the kind of guy you just change your strategy for? You know, you hired Joe Barry because he knows the Vic Fangio scheme. But if you could get someone like J.C. Horn, do you just say, well, J.R. can play man. He can play press. J.C. Horn can play man. He can play press. Why not just let those guys go out there and cook? Maybe you maybe you do that. Maybe you do that. He's an alpha, athletic. I mean, he, he checked every box. I didn't know if he would test in that, you know, superlative athlete category. And he did. I think you, you you probably would trade up and figure it out. Again, the problem is similar to Kyle Pitts. I, I just think he's going to go in like the top 12 now. And so you, you just can't justify the cost for the risk. Because even if you think he's really good, it's still like a 50-50 chance that he becomes, you know, Pro Bowl caliber corner. So the name that I keep going back to, if you're going to, and and we have to keep the spirit, I think, of the question alive, and that is, if you're going to move up into like the teens, because, you know, if all you have to do to get Greg Newsom is move up four spots, like do it, just do it. If you want to move up two spots to get, you know, if the Packers fall in love with Melifonwu, move up to get him. It's easy. You know, probably going to cost you a day three pick, a, a, probably a late day three pick. You swap and a, a fifth, something like that. That's that's an easy call. We're talking about moving major pieces to get this guy. Caleb Farley is that guy for me. If he if he starts to go and if he does the CD Lamb. Right. You know, you think, okay, this guy is a is a top 10 type player. I thought CeeDee Lamb was one of the five or six best football players in the draft last year. And all of a sudden he's there in the mid-teens. Do you go hunting for that guy? And he just kept falling. I mean, I, I don't understand taking two receivers before you take CeeDee Lamb. I don't get it. I think Jerry Judy is going to be a good football player. I don't know about Henry Ruggs. I that was Still wild to me. Farley is coming off a, a, a back injury. He is having surgery on that back. You never want to hear that. But if you can, if you can get the medicals signed off, if the surgery happens and they go, yeah, everything went great. He's gonna be, he's gonna be great. He's gonna be healthy. He's gonna be ready for for training camp. It gets tough. What what coincidentally, what what Westendorf always says about Micah Parsons is if the Packers are in position to draft him, you don't want to draft him because he has these these really ugly off field things that are that are in his resume. And so if he falls, then you're going, mm, is this really what you want to do? I wonder if Farley is the same sort of way. If he falls far, because he should be a top 10, 12, 15 pick. If he's there at 18, 19, 20, 
21-22. Does that worry you? That all these teams have decided he's not worth the risk? Because after Horn, he's the best cover player in the draft. And there are a lot of people who think he is the best pure cover player in the draft. Great fit for this defense. Zone corner all day. Big, physical, can play press, can play off. He is a playmaker, contests everything in his area. And I think if he would have tested, he would have tested as a terrific athlete. But because he didn't test, because he has this back question, he could fall. He could fall all the way to 29. If Green Bay is in a position to draft him, do they want to? Because what does that say about his physical health? We went through this with Miles Jack. Top 10, top 15 type player. But everyone said his knees were just shot. That they could just go out at any time. His legs were a mess. I think it was his knees. How do you balance that? Because he's been a really good player. But then you look at someone like Jalen Smith. He has the serious injury. He comes back. Works his way back. He misses basically red shirts in the NFL. Comes back. Earns a contract by playing well. And now, I mean, in 2020, guy couldn't be out there. I mean, he was borderline unplayable. And now the Cowboys are paying him a boatload of money. And that athleticism might just be gone because his body is not allowing him to play the way that we once saw him play. That's the concern. Back injuries are scary. So this is an interesting question precisely because I don't know that there's an easy answer here. I think Farley is the kind of guy you'd want to trade up for, but the medical questions are real. And so maybe more likely you don't have the the Davenport type trade up, but you have the, okay, actually what happened is Farley fell to 24. And you can move up for, you know, a, a pick swap in the in the third round or something like that. And I guess that, that probably isn't going to happen because Green Bay has a late third round pick. But you know what I mean. Green Bay sends a third and gets back a, a high four, something like that. That could that could be something that that works out because of the value, because of the cost benefit, because of the risk involved. Those are the drafts, uh, the draft day trades that I think Green Bay uh, could and and would be wise to at least explore, because getting this corner is such an, an important piece for this team. It is such a vital missing player on this roster. They have to get it right, and that means being willing to move up to do it. All right, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Built Bar. The Built Bar Bracket is in full swing. And if you don't know what the Built Bar Bracket is, go to BuiltBar.com or Built underscore Bar on Twitter to check it out. We are counting down. We are trying to figure out which bar is the best tasting protein bar. We know it's a Built Bar. That we know because these things all covered in 100% chocolate, yet low calorie, low sugar, high protein High fiber. They taste unbelievable. They taste like candy bars, but are protein bars. 
So we know the best tasting protein bar out there is a Built Bar. Which one is it for you? Go let your voice be heard, BuiltBar.com or Built underscore Bar on Twitter. And remember to use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order just for being a listener. That is LOCKED15 to get 15% off your order at BuiltBar.com and check back to see who is the winner of the best tasting protein bar. I want to add something uh, to our discussion the other day about Aaron Jones and maybe more specifically to A.J. Dillon. This is something that I want to talk about more in depth, but I want to prime the pump a little bit. This team, you know, we talked about running it back yesterday. This team is going to be comprised primarily of the contributors from 2020. But guys from the 2020 draft class are going to see elevated roles. And so much in the same way, we saw the 2019 class come to the fore in the 2020 season. Darnell Savage, Rashawn Gary, etc. I think we are going to see Kamel Martin step forward and, and take hold of that linebacker job. It, it's going to be Chris Barnes and Kamel Martin. Barring, barring craziness, they're going to be the linebackers, and I think that's a solid group. A.J. Dillon is going to take over for Jamal Williams. Jamal Williams is a beloved football player for the Packers, a beloved Packer among fans, but the Packers took A.J. Dillon in the second round. They think he could be really good, and we saw in the, in the Titans game, he was really good. That Titans game is as good a, a game as you could want a rookie running back to play. He was excellent. If that's the guy that they get, there is a real chance he could be an on-the-field upgrade over Jamal Williams in 2021. He's got more bursts. He's got more explosiveness. And I think he definitely has more upside. Now, Jamal Williams did a great job of working himself into shape. Um, and I don't mean that he was out of shape. I just mean that he, that he added explosiveness, dynamic movement. He became a better route runner. He became uh, someone who in the passing game was a very useful piece, not just in the swing game and the screen game. He could he could split out and run routes. We don't we have we haven't seen A.J. Dillon do that. Now, most of Jamal Williams catches were of the swing screen checked on variety. Most of his carries were inside power runs. Um, you know, not that the Packers are running, you know, fullback leads really, but it, it it was the between the tackles stuff. He's not breaking off big chunks, except in the two minute, by the way, when the defense is playing too deep and they're playing soft, you know, nickel and dime coverages. And then Jamal Williams get loose. A.J. Dillon is going to eat secondaries alive in those same scenarios. You can make the case they're getting better there. So when you go, okay, how can they bring back all these guys and expect to be better? Well, because the 2020 draft class is coming. So even though Jordan Love is going to be a non-entity probably, A.J. Dillon could be an upgrade. Josiah DeGuara is going to play, which is an upgrade over torn ACL, not on the field, Josiah DeGuara. And then you're giving these other guys opportunities. Kamel Martin, Chris Barnes, in year two to be better. To be contributors, to be someone who can help your football team, and I think all of that stuff, um, it, you know, even before the guys that they're going to add in the draft, 
you know, they're probably going to add, um, you know, two, maybe three guys who are going to compete for real playing time. You know, they're going to draft a corner who's going to come in and compete to, to start. I think they're going to draft a safety who's going to come in and compete for meaningful reps. And they, they usually find one other player to come in and do a thing, whether it's a receiver, a running back, a hybrid, Demetric Felton, you know, just I'm just spitballing here, of course. Um, and I, I, like this is this is a team that cannot change much, come back and, and be a Super Bowl contender. And guess what? Um, Las Vegas agrees. The odds makers agree. Uh, Bet online agrees. And so I just we have to remember all of that as we look at this. Moving forward, follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter, Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook, subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked on Packers fan hotline, you can do that, 920-341-3775 to stay Locked on Packers.